some have called it law versus grace. Others have called it spirit versus truth or Old Covenant versus New Covenant, Old Testament versus New Testament. To put it simply, it is when we throughout our many denominations in Christianity have come to take the Bible and favored the front of the book at the expense of the back of the book. Or we have favored the back of the book at the expense of the front of the book. We have divided the Bible and we have divided with each other over this division. We have placed authority over a certain part of the text more in our lives than the other. Some denominations have placed all their emphasis on the New Testament. And the Old Testament or the Torah and prophets are considered to be a collection of books that certainly have valuable stories for us to learn from. But in practice, it's being considered as a relic of the past, now superseded by the more relevant, more modern New Testament. But others other denominations have looked and they've decided to place their focus and their emphasis on the study and the practice of the Torah and prophets, the Old Testament. And when they look upon the New Testament, they recognize, well, yes, it, it's provided the Messiah. It's provided the solution to the sin problem. But of course, it's only really there otherwise to reinforce existing Old Testament commandments, since it does not have any authority to add or take away any new commandments. I think something that we all have to realize is that we each have a natural disposition, a leaning towards either spirit or truth. Because, see, the law of God appeals to man's logic that, yes, you do this and you don't do that. It seems simple and it's straightforward. But the spirit of God then also appeals to our emotional and spiritual sides. Spirit and truth are not in opposition. And I want to submit to you that even though we have in subtle ways separated spirit and truth in our lives, God is calling us back to bring restoration. Because see, brothers and sisters, on every church billboard, we see we need to worship in spirit and in truth. But I want to submit to you that few actually theologically and in practice understand what Yeshua, what Jesus was talking about. See, the reality is, is that this imbalance that we are talking about is not just something that has caused disunity among believers, but it has also separated our lives from looking more like the life of Jesus himself. Because when we think about Jesus's life, isn't that what is the point of it all? See, mankind's opinions don't really matter. 
What matters is whether your life is imitating your Messiah's life if you want to call yourself his disciple. And the truth is, is that Yeshua's life was having the Old Testament and the New Testament playing an equally important role. And we can see this simply by looking at, for example, how well the Torah and prophets, the Old Testament laid out the standard of holiness, the commandments of Jesus's father, who he walked out perfectly. And that was why we can say that he had no sin and could die for us. And so we see that this problem of the sin that the law of God illuminates is done by the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we see that he comes and he says, I did not come to abolish that, but fulfill that law in my life because he comes and brings us the revelation of the role of the heart behind the keeping of these commandments. He also then introduces a Holy Spirit who he says, it is good that I go so that the Holy Spirit can be with you. And he comes and brings various regulations and instructions regarding how this Holy Spirit will now be operating in the lives of believers. And so in this series, we are going to be addressing both of these groups, whether your natural disposition is to focus on the Old Testament or to focus on the New Testament. There's going to be a video for you. But first, we are going to be addressing those who are focusing on the Old Testament, who have looked upon the New Testament as providing a valuable resource, providing the Messiah and revelations that he gave, but seeing it as something that is mostly there to reinforce Old Testament commandments. Because, of course, the Old Testament does tell us that we ought not to add or take away any commandments from it. We see that foundationally it comes back to Deuteronomy 4 verse 2, where he says, You shall not add to the word that I am commanding you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. To understand this, we must look at the bigger picture. Moses came and gave commandments concerning how Israel could best worship God in truth. And of course, when Yeshua came in the New Testament, he came to expound upon those commandments. He said that he has not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He came to teach, for example, that you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, whoever looks at a woman of lust has committed adultery in his heart. Or you have heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, if you call yourself your brother a fool, you are liable to hellfire. So we typically all agree upon how Yeshua came to expound upon these instructions that God gave through Moses in the Old Testament. But where the root of confusion has often come in is how we consider the role of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament and Old Testament. Because if we do not understand that the Holy Spirit has indeed changed in the way that he had a relationship with God's people in the Old Testament, 
into the New Testament, we will not really understand what the value of the New Testament truly is or what is really new about it. Something indeed did happen in the famous story of Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all of these believers. And I want to submit to you that just as Moses was a prophet sent by God to bring about the ways of living to worship God based in truth, so Yeshua, Jesus, was sent as not only the Messiah of the world, making him greater than Moses, but a prophet of God in a sense to deliver to believers the rules and regulations, the commandments that is now going to follow how we ought to worship God in spirit. Filling up the puzzle pieces that were missing for us to be able to worship him in the fullness of spirit and truth and to walk like Yeshua. You see, Yeshua was not coming to add or take away from what Moses gave that document, if you will, handed down to Israel. No, he came to bring about his own new commandments, how to worship God in spirit. And notice how all of the commandments that he would give or reiterate, he is not doing in opposition to anything that God has given from the beginning in the Old Testament. We clearly see some of those commandments laid out, for example, in the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 7, where he says, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. These are commandments. They are not considerations. They are to be something that he is saying, if you are my disciple, I'm telling you to go forth and do these things. We also even further read in the book of Mark 16, verse 7, and these signs will accompany those who believe my name. They will cause out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Some consider Mark chapter 16 as being called into question as being an illegitimate text. While this can be something that is perhaps favorable to the theology of some, we cannot ignore the fact that Yeshua told us, even in that same book of Matthew later, the following, teach them all that I have commanded you and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So regardless of whether we want to call into question the validity of Mark chapter 16, What is said there is already been repeated by Yeshua in the book of Matthew later when he says to his disciples, everything I'm telling you to do, teach those that are your disciples to do. And so we see that discipleship is something that is supposed to go from generation to generation to generation. That means that we ought to imitate what the disciples did because ultimately they were imitating what Yeshua did. Even Paul himself said, Imitate me as I imitate Christ, speaking to that same discipleship. And notice that these commandments regarding the Holy Spirit are not only to be regarding evangelism or the Great Commission, even though it plays a big role in those things. 
We see that Paul the Apostle expounds further upon, for example, the gift of prophecy and the gift of speaking in tongues. And he is saying that there are certain regulations and commandments that he is giving us regarding them. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 37, if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy, do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So Paul is telling us that we have to consider these instructions regarding how to walk in the Holy Spirit as commandments from Yeshua himself. And he even says that if we do not, we ought to not be even recognized. And we know that these commandments did not exist in the Old Testament. Yes, the heart behind them exists in the Torah, of course. But we do not see that believers as a general commandment is told to cause our demons. Moses never told all of Israel to go forth and cause our demons or heal the sick or prophesy because we know that there weren't they weren't equipped to do those things by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did come upon certain prophets, elders and men of God, but they were an exception. This was not what every believer was empowered by. So because these believers in the Old Testament were not empowered by the Holy Spirit in mass, it would no, make no sense to give commandments that are specifically for what do we do when the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all believers. And that's why Yeshua as a messenger and prophet and Messiah comes and gives the message of what commandments is now applicable to believers. And these were indeed new ones. But what exactly changed? See, before Acts chapter 2, believers in the Old Testament were not baptized in the Holy Spirit in mass, nor were they temples of the Holy Spirit, as is being portrayed in our New Testament. Now, I understand that this is a certainly a, a controversial thought for some, but the scriptures are very clear on this. I want you to consider what Yeshua says in the book of John, chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But it says, This he spoke of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Yeshua said, It is good that he ascends, so the Holy Spirit can descend upon us. But if the Holy Spirit has been descendant upon all believers since the time of the Old Testament, then there would be no reason for him to ascend and no good thing for him to ascend for. 
You see, when we look at the language that Yeshua is using here or speaking of this rivers of living water that flows from him and that anyone who drinks of him will then become a river of living water. We know that he is speaking and making reference to the temple of God where it is spoken of that there will be rivers of living water that will flow from the temple. And we know his body is the temple. And he says now that if you drink of me, you will become a temple of the Holy Spirit. But it is stated that at the time he was speaking this, it had not happened yet because the Holy Spirit had not been given. For us to use the terminology to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, it must mean that at that time, the Holy Spirit will be utilizing our temples in the same ways that he utilized the tabernacle. And what was this purpose of the tabernacle? See, the tabernacle in the wilderness in a simple form was to bring the presence of the father closer to Israel supernaturally, powerfully. And that's exactly what a temple of man filled with the Holy Spirit is supposed to do. And if it does not do that, it's not a temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, ultimately, We have received spiritual gifts and supernatural empowerment in the ways that Yeshua walked it out when he was on earth in the flesh so that we can bring the presence of the father that is in our temple to people in the world so they could encounter him. That is why this was so supernatural and different. What happened in Acts chapter two, because of course we did have certain people who were acting out as temples of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Moses is a great example of this. Even Moses understood this and looked forward to this day. We see that in the book of Numbers, chapter 11, that there were certain men who God chose to fill with the Holy Spirit and they went to prophesy. And when Moses heard and saw this, he told them the following. Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them? Numbers 11, verse 29. Moses was saying, I wish for all the people to be filled with the spirit, to have the Holy Spirit on them so that they could all prophesy. Moses recognized that this was not happening in his day. There was something missing. Yes, certain men God did that for. But in mass, God did not do that. But Moses longed for that. Because just as those men who prophesied before Moses was bringing the presence of God closer to Israel by speaking his words. So Moses hoped for a day where all of God's people could become temples of the Holy Spirit so that they can bring the presence of God closer to others. And in Acts chapter two, this happens and Peter standing up to explain to everyone what exactly had just happened, makes reference to an Old Testament prophecy. 
we can see he recognized that something that was prophesied about in the Old Testament had not happened back there, but had happened this day that he had just witnessed. And he says in Acts chapter 2, 14, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, saying, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men see visions, and your old men dream dreams. Notice the beauty of this prophecy and how it is worded. Peter explicitly makes reference to how there will be young men, old men, sons and daughters, and there will be dreams and there will be visions. And this will be happening because the spirit is poured on all flesh. You see, specifically all flesh, because he realizes that, yes, in the past, some had the spirit, Some were empowered, some received dreams, and some received visions. But he recognizes that this is something different, that all believers will now be receiving this empowerment. And he declares this as something that is now fulfilled, something that is new, something that was not before. Because, see, this is new. This is going to radically change the, the, what we know as the ecclesia, the church today. It is going to be the fuel behind the fire of this gospel that would spread to the ends of the earth. The fuel behind the fire of the, the body of believers now who will now walk in power like they messi- their Messiah told them they would one day walk. Because Yeshua spoke about this, right? When he spoke to the Samaritan woman, right? He says, look, there is coming a time when you will not worship me the way you used to. You will not worship me on this or that mountain, but a new form of worship will be the acceptable form of worship. Something new. And he says it will be the worship of truth and spirit. This is what he calls us to. You see, brothers and sisters, Yeshua declared this as new because it took something new for us to receive. And that was the Holy Spirit poured out upon us that allowed us to receive the spiritual gifts and operate within them. And this immersion, this baptism of the Holy Spirit that we have today is something so new that the Old Testament believers did not have access to it besides for a few select. But you can look at me and say, well, PD, what about Romans 8 verse 9? Because Paul writes and says, well, everyone who believes has the Holy Spirit. So does that not mean that all of the people who are in the Old Testament who believed automatically had to have the Holy Spirit? Well, let's see what Paul said. He said, Romans 8 verse 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So Paul is saying that a marker for believers to belong to Christ 
is to be filled with the Spirit. However, I want to submit something to you. This is a requirement that is placed upon believers after the Spirit is poured out upon all believers. Just in the same way where today we have baptism into Christ as a requirement to follow Him. It's not the essence of what saves us, but it is a step of obedience, right? And so this requirement to follow Christ was not in the Old Testament. Abraham was not baptized into Christ. Moses was not baptized into Christ. But yet we read today in Mark 16, verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Does this mean that all Old Testament believers who were not baptized into Christ will now be condemned? Of course not, because the requirement for baptism did not exist yet. It was introduced by Christ in the New Testament. We further read in John 3, 5, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's actually quite simple. We only really need to think about why Israel broke the old covenant. You see, God comes to Israel through Moses and says, here's the law, here's the commandments, keep this, keep up your end of the deal, your covenant, your disagreement that we are now setting forth. And Israel says, we will, I do like a wedding vow, but yet, We know they don't. They fall into sin, into idol worship for the rest of the story. And the prophets, like the prophet of Jeremiah, continues to write about it. But yet God does not abandon Israel. And he says, there is coming a day where I'm going to make a new covenant with you. Because you broke the old covenant, because you fell short, I'm going to make a new one with you. But it's going to be different. You see, there's going to be something that God is going to do to actually supernaturally empower his people this time so that they can actually keep this covenant. And he tells them exactly what that secret ingredient, if you will, will be. And we read in the book of Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. I'll remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. If the promise of the new covenant is that he is going to write his law on our heart and put a new spirit within us, it means that this had not been accomplished before because we There was a reason we broke the old covenant. There was a reason we fell away. And if truly there is no new thing we have, if there is no Holy Spirit that is now filling us in contrast to how it was before, then we are bound to repeat history. And there is actually not much new about the new covenant, except that we are just trying again. And of course, we know that God has a plan. Yeshua has a plan. He said, It is good that I go 
so you can be filled. This time it's going to be different. This time you're going to be empowered. This time you're going to have everything you need to cause our demons to heal the sick, to prophesy, to get, you're going to get your dreams, you're going to get your visions, you're going to get an outpouring upon yourself like you've never had before, like Moses wished would happen to all of God's people. And like the prophet Joel prophesied, my spirit will be poured out upon all flesh to you. Oh, Israel, I am giving this and see brothers, unless we recognize this, we will never be able to step into the new covenant in the ways that God desires. If we do not recognize this, we will never be able to walk like Yeshua. We can be stuck in the Torah. The tr- look, listen, the Torah is wonderful, beautiful, holy, righteous and good. But if you think that you should just be living like they lived in the wilderness without the empowerment of the spirit, the good news is that Yeshua came to die for you and he empowered you with the Holy Spirit. And if you miss out on the Holy Spirit and you dwell in the wilderness, you will die in the wilderness because the only thing that's going to set you free from your bondages is the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit working in and through your life and setting others free through you. And so we see that the New Testament is so much more about simply rehashing what we have in the Old Testament. Yes, God does expound upon Old Testament commandments in the New Testament. But he has also come to radically change the way that we will have a relationship with him forever because we can now be empowered like never before. And this change is supposed to be so radical that it is supposed to be a new life in Christ, a life where we indeed can now actually imitate him. You see, brothers and sisters, here's the reality of this matter. Let's make this really simple here today. If your life does not look like Yeshua in how he walked in the spirit, then you're missing out on what I am talking about here today. If casting out demons is not a part of your life, if healing the sick is not a part of your life, if cleansing lepers and raising of the dead is not a part of your life, if these things are not something that is being pursued in your life, if this is not what you have a hope for in your life, if this is not something that you believe in in your life, if this is not something that you pursue, there is something missing and wrong and you have missed out on the Holy Spirit immersion that all of the disciples had and taught their disciples and they taught their disciples and they taught theirs. And Paul writes to us all of these instructions about how to walk in the Holy Spirit, but they are null and void if we do not even walk in the Holy Spirit. We can say, oh, we shouldn't abolish the Torah and prophets. And certain Christians, they abolish the Torah and prophets. How dare they? While we abolish the commandments of the New Testament and the Holy Spirit in the New Testament in our lives in practice. Yes, I know we say we don't, but in practice, we do. And the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of that. You see, brothers and sisters, not only will God say, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, but he also writes to a church in Revelation and he says, you have loved what is good and hated what is evil, but I have something against you. You have lost your first love and you, I'm going to remove your lampstand from you. 
I'm going to remove the light that I have given you. That light is the Holy Spirit because you do not walk in it. But walk in it. Have it restored back to you. Walk in the light. Be a light. And then one day you can walk before the Lord as one who was both not lawless and someone who did not squander the light that was given to them. God has called you to be a the city on the hill, a temple of the Holy Spirit, a light to shine his presence to the world. But if you do not recognize that, if you do not repent of your old ways, if you do not return to your first love, then you are no better than the ones you love to point the finger at. Brothers and sisters, let's be serious. Let's not just have this be a, an interesting theological lesson and a theological conversation that we like to talk about, but let's start doing what we say we believe. If we believe in a Messiah that did these things, why aren't we doing it? Because I promise you, the demons didn't go on holiday. I promise you, sickness and the devil didn't go on holiday. But some of you act like you are on holiday while the devil has a feast among you because you have abolished the Holy Spirit out of your life, your fellowships, your churches. And then we are surprised that the world doesn't want the truth we have because Yeshua shined this truth to the world because the Holy Spirit empowered him. The Holy Spirit was the sign. The Holy Spirit was the signal for people to know that he was sent from God. Now, who are you sent from and how will people know that you are sent from that place? Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come with your Holy Spirit and fill us. Give us your strength. Give us your eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, I pray for your conviction upon your people. I pray, Lord, for your people to be changed from the inside out. I pray that you would come and ride your law in their heart. I pray that you would come and empower them with deliverance, that you would empower them with spiritual gifts, that you would give them dreams, you would give them visions, that you would come upon both old men and young men and sons and daughters and grandmothers and grandfathers. <laughs> Lord, I pray, Father, that you would come and anew give us a fresh, fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to not compromise the front or the book the back of the book, but let every part of it be in our lives as it was in yours. Father, I pray, Lord, for a, a, a restoration where we would do away with our excuses and start taking the enemy head on, Lord, because you came to destroy the works of the enemy. Father, help us to do the same. We pray all this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Remember that this is going to be a series. Please stay tuned for the next part of this series where we're going to be talking about those who focus most on the New Testament at the cost of the Old Testament. And I want to say a special thank you to our partners who are making this series possible. Many blessings and Shalom.